The content presented in this podcast is intended solely for inspirational purposes and is not health advice. The information shared is not to be construed as psychological advice or treatment provided by health professionals. It's crucial you consult with qualified healthcare providers for any specific psychological concerns or medical conditions, and you're encouraged to exercise your own judgment and discretion when interpreting and implementing any ideas or suggestions presented in this podcast. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Sisterhood Downloads. I am your host, Jacqueline Byrne. And I'm Juliet Thompson. And we are so excited to have you join us as we explore how women can truly thrive with reflection, connection, and community. I am a clinical psychotherapist. And I'm a psychologist and coach, and we are both mothers of young children, as well as being entrepreneurs. We are thrilled you've joined us here at The Sisterhood Downloads. Hello, and welcome back to The Sisterhood Downloads. Today, we are going to dive into some of the questions that we've been receiving over the past couple of months about the podcast and about ourselves. We've been so thrilled to find that people are really engaging in this community and that they really want to know more. Have you found the same, Jacqueline? We love it so much when we hear from you guys and you come with questions and curiosities about us, about the Sisterhood Downloads, and really wanted to give some space today to responding to what you've been asking about and exploring some really interesting questions that have come through with you. Yeah, alrighty. So the first one we've got is, why did we want to become therapists? What uh, enticed us down this path? Yeah, I I don't know if I spent time talking about this in a previous episode, So sorry if I I did and I'm repeating myself, but for those that didn't listen in uh, to that previous episode, I've always seen myself as a little bit of an archaeologist of sorts. I was very interested in history whilst at school and, and uni. I did every possible history. And I think that reflects two things. I've always been fascinated with understanding who we are as people, why we are the way that we are, where we come from, as well as trying to uncover the truth of that process, the truth of who we we really are. And I thought I was going to become an archaeologist, but I was also interested in psychology from a very, very young age, just really fascinated by the human mind. So I was told when I was about 17 that I couldn't really do psychology at uni because you had to do maths and do really hard statistical maths at uni. And I didn't do maths at school in those final years. I chose music instead. I did the cello. So uh, that was a huge turnoff. But I'm so glad that a good friend of mine who was already at uni said, you know what, don't listen to that. You can totally do this. We're going to, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to structure your degree in a way that um, you'll do minimum maths, essentially. I did do it and I got through it. It was hell, but there you go. (laughs) Um, But that, you know, to summarise, I've just always been fascinated by the human mind and uh, who we are. And I I love the metaphor of that. You're still doing archaeology um, in so many ways and the way you practice now. Similarly, my becoming a therapist was an evolution from my original love, which was English literature and writing and I was heading towards becoming, my my vision was to become an English literature academic and writer. Explain so much. So yeah, I'll begin (laughs) to stop right there. Yeah, Um, And 
on my way also realised that the the cornerstone of my fascination with literature was such a deep passion for human stories and from a from different life influences and experiences ultimately I realized that I I wanted to sit with people and talk to them about their stories and help them co-create and shape their stories rather than um, read them on a page and I then moved into doing further training in narrative psychotherapy which was a beautiful full circle moment because it really drew in all my training from literature and um, linguistics to appreciating how language is such a, a huge part of human psychology and how we think about how we think about life and shape our lives. Oh, I love it. It really does explain so much of your perspective and I just I love it. Okay. The third question is what do you mean in your introduction when you say that we're entrepreneurs. This has been uh, a bit confusing for some people <clears throat> because they don't really know what context we mean that word in. Uh, and from my perspective anyway, I think about an entrepreneur as someone going out into the world with an idea that is is new and to be tested and that applies to me in that a part of my work is developing these novel programs and novel ways to help women thrive. So I'm not talking about my clinical practice. That's not particularly entrepreneurial in that it's a, it's a model that I'm repeating. But I'm also developing programs that use those skills of psychology in a new way to help women who might not necessarily identify with a clinical diagnosis that you normally would when you come to a psychologist, not always, but usually. So that's what I mean by entrepreneurial. I'm trying to push the boundaries. This podcast for us is is something that we're pushing the boundaries with in a lot of ways. So that's the way I understand that word. What about you? I love everything you've just said and concur. To me, it's, it's inclusive of being a change agent and wanting to explore ways of working creatively and differently that break away from established systems within the fields that we're familiar with and being independent in that way working um, from my own means and my own capacity is what's captured by the word entrepreneur for me I began my business over 10 years ago and it has been very successful and I'm very proud of that and it's I think important to own that space for women that following a vision for yourself and maybe breaking away from established models is possible and can be something that um, is incredibly rewarding. Oh, nicely said, nicely tied up there. Okay, the next question, have there been any uh, memorable moments or stories shared by guests that have deeply impacted you? We've had a couple guests on and they've all been really phenomenal and I've taken so much. Do you have any particular moments that you remember as being important? Definitely. Certainly all of our guests, we've been so honoured that they have taken their time to speak with us and I've caught myself in awe in each conversation sort of forgetting to facilitate the podcast and just receiving the incredible messaging that they, they brought forward. There were some particular moments in our interview with Kate Schubert around how complex trauma is and what 
what it's really defined as and how it sits systematically in our society it's not I think we tend to be introduced to the idea of trauma as an objective event that happens as an occurrence and affects someone in a particular way we, we seek to see it through the lens in a particular fashion and she beautifully articulated how much more comprehensive it can be how much more it can sit at a macro level and all that that brings up um, mm. if when we when we begin to understand that truth. I love from that podcast all of it, everything that you've said and particularly how she was breastfeeding baby Banksy the whole time. And I just thought that was a beautiful little reflection of what she stands for in community and support and, and what we stand for in including women in any way they need to show up in a moment. Yeah, I thought that was really beautiful. And then, of course, we had the amazing podcast episodes with Camilla and Elsa. And I thought that Camilla's episode really left me with an understanding that so often women need help, understandably, to transition to motherhood. That's a big Uh, step and a process and then Elsa that idea of sitting with emotion I mean it's a simple one in a lot of ways and I'm repeating it far too simply but that's what I took away the power of being with your feelings Mm. here here we were asked a question around what are some emerging trends or topics in women's health that we find particularly fascinating or important There's a lot happening Mm. always in this field of mental health and women's health. The thing that strikes me is the increasing awareness around the importance of community for everyone, but particularly for women and the power of connection in in a day and age where we are so easily disconnected, whether it be through a pandemic Zoom that need to be socially distant uh, or whether it be social media, any way where we're not actually being with another person in a room spontaneously, right, in the moment. Um, I think we're going to understand the increasing issues with that for holistic health and the importance of reconnecting in, in community. That stands out for me. Just on the back of talking about the episode with Elsa, actually, where we focused in on embodiment, I'm excited to see that becoming much more frequent in the social lexicon for women and the understanding of how separate and disconnected we largely have been from our bodies historically and in our own lifetimes. Women that I'm meeting with now that might first come into my practice will often describe from their own assessment that they feel disconnected from their body, um, separate from their body, not embodied, whereas those weren't reflections that Mm. people spoke about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, which I I think is saying a lot about the the consciousness moving into those areas, which I'm, I'm so glad about. Yeah, fascinating. Another area I think people are going to start hearing more about, although that said it's been in the news a lot in the last year or so, is psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. Uh, This one probably doesn't apply specifically to women, but I think that over the next couple of years, as more studies are done, we are going to see practitioners offering it legally, probably. There's a lot of work to be done in this space. And I think that uh, we have to remain 
cautiously optimistic, uh, but with emphasis on that word cautious, because uh, there, there could be a lot of issues for many reasons, but maybe we'll have a whole different episode on that. But I think it's definitely one to watch in supporting people to have radical experiences or what I like to call radical solvents, really uh, dramatic perspective shifts that uh, can be achieved in a couple of sessions as opposed to years of psychotherapy or, you know, therapy. So that's one to watch anyway. Fascinating, yes. And success stories that have come from the podcasts where listeners have reflected to us They've either taken something in a way particular from an episode or implemented something that we've touched on in the episode. We've had so much feedback from this community and it brings us so much joy to hear how the episodes are landing with you. But is there anything that stands out to you in particular, Julia? I had one listener uh, share with me in a way that was quite profound because as I was talking, I could see the strength of emotion. I could see how important this episode was to to her. She had almost tears welling. The episode we did about the taboo of money, that really spoke to her in her experience of her family dynamic with men having the power around money and some of her increasing challenges around having to challenge that dynamic in herself now and yeah I could see that that was something quite profound for her beautiful oh that's that makes me so happy to hear and you there was a really touching story um someone shared with me again on embodiment actually that hearing it understood in a different way because we had we had an episode you and I did on embodiment as well as the guest Elsa Krinke that came in to speak about it in a in a whole other way Although, as I said, it's becoming more of a common term, we still have a lot of misunderstanding or just lack of resources, lack of introduction to it as a concept. And this listener was reflecting how the way we broke it down really resonated for her and actually opened up a whole other way of being in her body and landing with herself, which... I know has the power to be life-changing. So that makes me really excited. That is super awesome. All right, last question. And I don't even know how to answer this, Jacqueline. (laughs) I haven't worked out this one yet. But how do you manage your busy lives? It's important to me to be truthful, especially as we speak to other women, that we're not putting up a bar that is unrealistic, unsustainable, that we haven't actually been able to achieve ourselves. <laughs> but we, we wish it for you. I think I think the, the honest truth is that when you're trying to juggle a lot, which Juliet and I both do, demanding businesses and young children and being passionate, caring people that, again, as we were speaking to earlier, want to contribute meaningfully to society and to our areas of expertise so strongly that comes with stress and that comes with things falling through the cracks sometimes and I think there is no strategy that can immunize against that completely because maybe we weren't designed to live in the way that our nervous systems have to now adjust to with the demands that are on us in in modern life and and so many women I know can relate to that what I have learned is I think when I first tried to manage stress as as it increased from a work-based perspective in my life, I turned to the things that had been helpful for me therapeutically and personally, like meditation, journaling, yoga, essential oils, are my um, my go-tos. But as I had children and as things became 
very, very busy in my in my career, a lot of those weren't practically approachable. And I realized what I needed for this season of my life was more outsourcing what I could and having bigger teams of people, both a home team to help um, the requirements of running an, an efficient and effective home space and a work team, a team in my practice that are often better skilled at doing what they can do than I am because I wasn't trained as an accountant and I wasn't trained in administration. I wasn't trained in marketing and can allow me to do what I do best in in my space and free me up from having to be everywhere and part of everything. Yeah, great. There's two things that come to my mind and uh, they're very personal. So as in they just to personally apply to me and I, I don't know that they're going to apply to everyone or even some people, but... The thing that struck me a few years ago was my mum saying to me, I wish that I didn't spend so much time cleaning the house and I wish I spent more time with you kids. I have two siblings. And that was a way for me to give myself permission, I suppose, to have a really messy house. (laughs) And I know that for some people that is stress in itself. I've learned to desensitise to it and it has really helped me because I don't spend, I mean, there's a minimum amount you need to clean, right? Like it has to be done on some level, but I don't fuss around the small things because I would rather be spending my time focusing on journaling or meditation or whatever bits and bobs that are really going to nourish me and be very meaningful or of course spend meaningful time with my children so that's that's a big thing for me I don't pay much attention to the crazy messiness of my house so that's number one and number two something I've been thinking about more recently as I have a lot of projects on the fly I, I'm someone who uh, is great at creative ideation and then seeing a project through is the hardest part but I want to do a lot but I've learned this word patience and I think that is what is helping me through at the moment I might want things to be completed and all tied up because I'm excited about them, but it's just not possible. Maybe I can only spend two hours on a certain project every week and therefore I'm not going to launch it for five months. But uh, two hours is better than nothing. And in the big picture of my my life, it's it's not that much time. So they're two ideas that have practically helped me. Can I just add as well that, <clears throat> pardon me, something I hear a lot of women what adds more stress to their life is comparison and we make a lot of assumptions that everyone else's lives are rather similar to us but they somehow manage to get more done or have a more successful outcome than we've had but I think the the permission to create for yourself what you need is really important if you don't have family living nearby or you don't have family that are supportive for you, or you don't have a setup, or it's their partner that has availability to support you, that you're you're allowed to think creatively about how to differently set that up. And I think that can be a huge game changer when it comes to stress management and managing a busy life. You don't have to manage it the way other people are managing their busy lives. And so finding what works for you is is paramount. Oh, what a nice way to end today's episode. I hope you found that, in the very least, somewhat entertaining, if not informative. And we are looking forward to connecting next episode. 